Good morning. My name is Stacy, and I work in the office here at Maranatha. And when they have no other ministry leaders to do announcements, they ask me. So I could say they saved the best for last, but that's not true. And a little fun fact about me, I am the world's okayest coworker. That plaque is on my desk. And what really makes it great is that I bought it for myself. And I got it on clearance. So it was less than a dollar at Hobby Lobby. If you want one, I think they still have more. Anyway, okay, announcements. So the first one is the ladies' retreat is coming up October 13th through the 15th. And um, Heather Cox is speaking, and I've heard her speak before, and it's amazing and encouraging, and just sign up. And ladies, I think we get four or five meals? Four. Four meals cooked for you. And we're ladies, so we all bring, there's a huge table full of, we don't, they don't even need to cook for us. We bring so much food, but you are not ever hungry, and you get all these meals cooked for you. So for nothing, no other reason, the food, but it will be an amazing weekend, encouraging. And Ruby's Pantry is coming up the 16th, so if you can serve at that, show up at 7 a.m. Otherwise, if you want a share of the food, you can, it's 7.30 that it starts. And then um, the nursery really needs a director. So if you guys like nursery, direct, right. Which involves making a schedule, pretty much, and helping fill in gaps. Um, nursery is not only in need of volunteers as a director, but also volunteers to serve on Sunday mornings. And youth Sunday school needs volunteers. And I'm a youth leader, and if I can do it, any of you guys can do it. So the curriculum, I believe, is already set up, and Tony takes care of most of that. Or Carrie, you would know too, right? Everything's kind of set up, and yeah. We, they, okay. <laughs> um, and then the ministry fair is the last announcement, which don't wait to sign up for those things until the ministry fair, please. But that's a great opportunity to see where you would fit in, what little niche you could fit in in service to the church. Um, our celebration is this week, the youth kicked off at, and we had a celebration, we had a pool party. It was like 61, what, how much temperature was it? I don't know, it was cold. But of course the kids were in the water and the middle school girls were the first ones in, woo! Good job middle school girls. And um, yeah, it was a great time. I was reminiscing that the last time I was at the beers for a... Uh, youth event, their girls were in high school. And that's been probably 10 years, at least a dozen, which really made me feel old. But now their kids have kids and they're almost in middle school so they can be in youth group. Um, that's it. I think there's a cute little video of them. See, look at all those middle school girls. Woo! Oh, there's a couple guys that got brave. Anyway, that's it for me, and I'll invite Pastor Cody up to bring the word. Awesome. Thank you, Stacy. And this is totally true. Whenever we realize that Stacy and Carmen will not be in the office, we look at each other as pastors. We go, shut the whole place down. We don't know what to do. So we are very grateful for them. Well, it's, it's a great season. I'm glad that you're here for first service. 
And I want to forewarn you in the next couple months, if I smell weird because bowl season's coming up, I use the special soap so I don't smell normal, but that's okay. I'm excited even though we do miss the summer and this, this cold kind of snap feels like, oh, but we're used to this, right? We're, we're tough, we're Wisconsinites, we can do it. Some commands are very easy to receive and obey. Okay, so let me try this. All right, so this side of the, oh, the sanctuary here, I'm going to give you a command and obey it, okay? Breathe. Look at that. There might be a teenager. I'm not, I'm not. Don't worry, you'll pass out and you'll start breathing soon. Okay, yeah. All right, this side. Some commands are very easy. Move a muscle. Even if you're not trying to, your involuntary muscles are moving. Okay, great. Yeah, some commands are very easy. Some might be a little bit harder to obey or receive. Some might be. Enjoy winter and the temperatures this coming year, right? The ones who are laughing the most are the ones who are going to Florida soon, right? <laughs> Don't drive over 55 when the speed limit says that. How many for you is that hard? Raise your hand. I know some friends, never mind. Some are hard. Last week in our passage that we're going through in Philippians, the command was rejoice. How can we rejoice during hard times? I encourage you, if you missed last Sunday's message, please go to that. Talking about how we can rejoice even in the midst of suffering. That's a hard one. Or this, be kind. In fact, my daughter at school in Cameron, there's, a, there's now the slogan, hey dude, be kind, or something like that. Like, yeah, be kind. Because sometimes you get bullies around you. Love one another. Sometimes it's kind of hard. Have you seen who my wife married? Yeah, it's hard. Then there are sometimes impossible, truly impossible commands. Like the one we're going to look at today. It says this, don't worry about anything. Well, that's impossible. How many have ever gone a week without worrying about anything? Didn't think so. That's the, when I read this, like, this is the impossible command. So today's passage is Philippians chapter 4. So if you got your Bibles, turn to Philippians chapter 4. If you don't, we've got a Bible in front of you. Philippians chapter 4. And I've titled this message here, Prayer is the Antidote for Anxiety. Prayer is the antidote for anxiety. And that's hard to believe. Because every day we worry about something. Sometimes it can be a grand scale thing, or it can be very small things. So Philippians chapter 4 we'll be looking at. It's hard to believe. And how can the antidote be prayer that, that just seems a little bit awkward like okay if i'm worrying if i've got anxiety you know how can prayer be the antidote for that so please listen to this before i pray what if we as a church what if we as families what if you individually truly understood prayer as the foundation found in god himself 
Because the foundation of prayer is not in how much we can do and how much we bring to it, but the foundation of prayer is God himself. And what if we realize that prayer is a great intimacy to understand God? What if we understood prayer is in the confidence, and here's my line I say all the time, my confidence is in the character of God. Prayer is confidence in the character of God. What if we understood prayer is trust in the sovereign God who is in control of all things? Or prayer as simplicity, childlike faith. Too many times we understand prayer kind of like that little stained glass thing we got up here and then the one back there. We got to get it all perfect and beautiful and picturesque, you know, all this. What if we realize prayer is just childlike simplicity coming to God? Or what if we understood prayer and its use for courage and tenacity when we face temptation and adversity? Or the privilege of prayer for interceding, praying for other people. What if we truly understood those concepts? Or its placement in revival and evangelism. Its power in spiritual warfare that we fight each day. And its joyful assurance in the will of God. Not my will, but your will. The joyful assurance in the will of God. What if we truly grasp the understanding of prayer? So today we're going to look at the reality of the world and anxiety. Then we're going to look at the reality of God and His character. And then we'll look at prayer and its results. So would you join me before we get into this passage and let's pray. Father God, I ask that we as a church we as families, and we as individuals would be known before the throne. That we would often come to you in prayer. That we would be dependent followers. Not thinking we can do it on our own when anxiety comes and worries come. Help us be dependent on you. And I pray that as we look at these two verses that are very, they seem impossible, you would guide us today. And Lord, tomorrow is an important day for us as Americans. It's 9-11. And Lord, we ask that you be with the families and the survivors that were a part of the horrific events that happened years ago. I pray you comfort them as this weekend has been a time I'm sure they've reflected a lot. There's probably been many tears. And we continue to pray for our military personnel that you use them to protect our country, our land, even the National Guard who's here and our law enforcement, we pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 All right, so great. get your Bibles. Go to Philippians chapter 4. We're just going to look at two verses here. Verses 6 and 7. So here's the impossible, seemingly impossible command. Do not be anxious about anything. Gulp, right? What? 
But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your heart and your minds in Christ Jesus. So if you recall, Paul is far away from his friends who are living in Philippi. And he helped start this church, met a couple people who were by the river, they were worshiping God, and they're like, hey, let's start talking. They started this church. And he's writing them a letter. And he knows their struggles. He's friends of them. They are also supporting, we'll talk about this in a couple weeks, they're supporting his ministry financially. And it must have been hard for him to see the hard times that they are going through. They're going through persecution. And again, sometimes we don't understand persecution. We think, oh, we're persecuted. That's nothing like what it was in the biblical times. Or what we see in the 1040 window in this world. Persecution, conflict. There's bickering and fighting. And he's struggling. He's like, oh, why does it have to be this way? false teachers again there's false teachers trying to say certain things to sway the church and i'm sure he it's hard for him to have that physical separation from his friends with all of these types of problems taking place in philippi naturally they're anxious about the future so let's talk about the reality of our world and anxiety Because of sin, we live in a fallen world. And our world has chaos. Our world has brokenness. It's all around us. Daily, we face difficulties that are beyond our control. And we have troubles. It's very true. And sometimes there's no possible way we can control them. But we should put our trust in God. These areas of worry, and I've thought a lot about anxiety and worry, and I've kind of categorized them in two areas. I've thought about in these two areas, and I kind of use my hands as an example. The first area is not having enough, kind of like grabbing and trying to pull to yourself, not having enough. You can be worried about things that fall in the category of not having enough. Not having enough food. I've been to many third world countries where I've seen people literally day by day not having enough food. We don't have to worry about that here in Wisconsin. Not having enough food. The worry of not having enough money. Not having enough friends. Or not having enough courage to do what you're supposed to do at the right time. Or not having enough help. A lot of our worries fall under not having enough. Thus, this can lead to anxiety. Or the opposite would be, then I kind of, grab, kind of picture my hands, the loss of things. Like you're trying to grab for something and you lose it. The loss of friendships. I've lost friendships. And that could be the cause of much worry and anxiety. The loss of health. The loss of safety. The loss of liberties. The loss of and I try to figure this one out, the loss of self-image or your embarrassment. Sometimes you lose, you know, you get humbled and pummeled and you're embarrassed. Or the loss of comfort. And the two hardest ones, the loss of love. Or the loss of life. Those are things that we can worry about. 
the reality of troubles in our world, it's real. And we look last week, Paul's suffering is real. Suffering isn't something that you just go, oh, I'm, I'm fine, I'm okay. He's very open about the reality of his hardships. And the Bible is not telling us to ignore pain or pretend that it's less agonizing when we face these troubles. Our natural response can be to be anxious and worry. <clears throat> what can happen is the, realist, the realistic thinking and the reality is put aside and we become overwhelmed. Sometimes we should be thinking clearly, but we get overwhelmed and we don't think clearly. We can turn to compulsive tendencies, anxiety attacks, restlessness, get knots in our stomachs, get many phobias when these things get overwhelming to us. And we can fall into an irrational, so I call this, so we can have anxiety, but then there's this irrational anxiety that we can have. Some of the worries we have aren't even real. They're based upon a reality, just worst case scenario. So let me give an example. Someone could be like, oh, I'm going to an interview for a job. So they interview for the job, the position, they don't get it. <clears throat> Man, I'm not gonna get that job. I'm not gonna have a job. I'm not gonna have enough money. Now I'm gonna live in a cardboard box behind the laundromat life is over now that's based upon not even a reality not realistic thinking or reality most of the time we are worried about what rarely happens to us worst case scenario so some people can live under this worst case scenario mindset so what does the bible talk about anxiety and worrying the greek word here used for anxious in this passage can be translated in two different ways. Number one, it can be a positive way. It can be, the word can be to care for or show concern in a positive way. To be concerned about something as a care for people and things. So Paul says he uses this word often in a positive way. He's caring for people, caring for the church. 2 Corinthians 11, 2 Corinthians 2, he says, I have care, concern for all churches. Where he says this, for I wrote to you out of much affliction, much care. I wouldn't use the word anxiety, but he has much care and concern for them. And anguish of my heart with many tears to let you know about the abundant love I have for you. For instance, if I have a family that I know that's struggling, or if I have a friend group that's struggling, I have this type of care, anxiety, that I have much anguish for them. In Philippians chapter 2.20, he uses this speaking of Timothy, who will show genuine concern, not anxiety, but genuine concern for your welfare. So that's a positive way that you can translate this word based upon the context. The other way this word can be used is in a negative way. Anxiety, worry. This is an unhealthy and unproductive, over, overly concerned and anxious about something. So here's what the Dictionary of New Testament Theology says about this word. Oppressed by the burdens laid upon him, man imagines himself delivered to a, to a fate before which he stands powerless. 
By his care, man tries to provide, to protect himself as best as he can for what confronts him. That's the type of worry and anxiety we're talking about here in this passage. And here, it seems impossible. Do not be anxious about anything. No surprise that this word shows up often in the Sermon on the Mount. In fact, Paul is leaning on the Sermon on the Mount. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus uses this word six different times. Don't worry about your life. So why are we not to worry and why are we not to be anxious? Well, let's look at the reality of our God. Matthew chapter 6, Jesus explains that they are not to worry. He uses the example of the flowers of the field, the birds of the air. If God takes care of the flowers, if God takes care of the birds of the air, surely he'll take care of his children. Why would you worry? The birds are going to be fed. The birds will have a place to take care of themselves. Truly God will take care of you. That's what Jesus teaches. We at times have many concerns and worries in our lives and what's going to happen. The Bible teaches the best way is to not worry. The best way to not worry is to rest in God's nature and character. So here's what I wrote down. All things are under God's rule and control and nothing happens out of his direct direction or permission. We must trust him. The problem with trials is their non-stop attack on our daily life. We worry, we have trials, we worry about our children, we worry about our jobs, we worry about our health. We get hit from every angle and often, sometimes completely unexpected. Paul doesn't command us to stop worrying without offering an antidote, a cure. We must be trusting in the character of God. So if you could do this with me. Go to Isaiah 43. It's kind of in the middle of your Bible, so kind of just poke in there trying to find Isaiah. Isaiah 43. Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentation, Ezekiel, Daniel, Hosea. So Jeremiah 43. This is the passage. You've heard me say this before. This is the passage that keeps me up all night if I start reading it. Because I'm blown away by the character of God. Isaiah 43. I think, did I say 53? Maybe I don't know. Isaiah 43. Uh, trust me, Isaiah 53 is amazing, as you know. So Isaiah 43. Again, uh, the children of Israel have failed. They've gone after false gods. They're in trouble. There's judgment, lightning, bolting. You know, bolts coming down. It's, just, it's bad news. So in fact, Isaiah, it's tough. Isaiah chapters 1 through 39 is just like tons of judgment. But then, chapter 40, everything changes. In fact, the first two words of chapter 40 are comfort, comfort. And then we hear from the Lord. Look, listen to this. Isaiah 43. But now, even in the midst of all that they could be worrying about, even in the midst of all their struggles, even in the midst of all their failures, but now... This is what the Lord says. Uh-oh, we're in trouble. But now this is what the Lord says. He who 
created you, O Jacob, he who formed you, O Israel. What are the first words? Fear not. Don't be afraid. Fear not. Why? For I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. Isn't that amazing? We need to memorize this. Especially when you face the worries. Fear not. For I have redeemed you. I have called you. I have summoned you by name. You are mine. Verse 2 is amazing. When you pass through the waters... God doesn't say, guess what, there's, there's troubles coming, and it's going to be a horrible storm, and you're going to have to pass through the waters, but guess what? Because you're my children, you won't pass through the waters. I'll make you float in the best canoe, made in Winona. They make great canoes there. Listen, he says, when you pass through the waters, what's greater than not passing through the waters? What he says next, I will be with you when you pass through the rivers they will not sweep over you when you walk through the fire will not be burned the flames will not set you ablaze so listen the bible doesn't say guess what when you become one of his kids everything will be perfect for you you're going to live in a mansion i'm going to get 14 deer just opening day you know it's going to be awesome god says this, even when you pass through the waters, even when you walk through the flames, the greatest thing is I am with you. And then, it's interesting, verse 3, the Hebrew word there is why. It's kind of like key. The, the Hebrew word is key. It's, it's for. Why? Listen to this. For. I am. He's the great I am. Amen? I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. The first words he gives is don't be afraid. Don't worry, right? Why is it based upon? Five reasons. I'm God, I'm God, I'm God, I'm God, I'm God. I am the Lord, your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I give Egypt for your ransom, Cush and Seba in your stead. And then verse 4, here's what blows me away, people. Verse 4 is one of the, it's not hard to swallow, but it's just hard to just grasp. Since you are precious and honored in my sight, the God of creation calls his children precious and honored in my sight. Trust me, I look in the mirror and go, uh, are you sure about that? Since you are precious and honored in my sight, and because I love you, I will give men in exchange for you, people in exchange for your life. Wait, wait. I'm so precious and honored in his sight that he would give men, people in exchange for my life? Well, that points to the beauty of the cross, doesn't it? Powerful. We must trust in the character of God who loves us. Which leads us to the reality of prayer is the antidote to anxiety. Back to Philippians chapter 4. I like how the NLT translation says is, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank Him for all that He has done. Every situation in trouble, 
trouble must be covered by prayer. And he uses different words here talking about prayer, stressing and showing the all-encompassing nature of prayer. Pray. That's that humble trust as a child coming before God saying, God, I've got something. Petition. We've got certain needs we want to petition for. We'll petition that. Request. These are the specific requests that I have for myself or others. And then thanksgiving, the attitude of gratitude towards God. That's what we must have. Because God knows all of our needs and concerns. We are to take them to him. And he will care for us. That's what Jesus says in the Sermon on Mount. Don't worry about your life. He's taking care of the birds and the the lilies prayer is the antidote to anxiety because it's based on the reality of god not on the unknown reality what might come to you in many ways the real problem is not the trials themselves let me say this again many times the the real pro, the real issue the real problem is not the trials themselves but our understanding most of our problems come from an incorrect view of god And our prayers may may be the evaluation of how small our view of God is and how self-centered we are, right? Got a problem? Oh, I can fix it. Trust me. We must know this about our God. And I've been pushing this through the book of Philippians and we'll see it more as we get into the book of Acts. God is sovereign, amen? He's in control. And His power and control is the foundation of prayer we must trust him and trust is shown in prayer as we turn to the one who is greater than our problems how can we do this we don't have to be anxious because we can pray because we trust in a god who's in control prayer is the act of relying on him more completely than trusting in the troubles of our situation When we come to know him, realizing the capacity of the greatness of God, his character, we are changed and gain access to have a deeper intimacy with God, which leads to trusting in him, seeing and experiencing God's activities. So when we pray, we trust him, we trust in the character of God. So as one of my professors puts a summary to this verse, he says this, The way to be anxious about nothing is to be prayerful about everything. So in moments of anxiety, the easiest thing is to retreat, tuck away, or fight for your own. You can do it. Instead, we are commanded to pour out our hearts to God and trust Him. Pray. The release from anxiety comes through the surrendering of ourselves the situation to God. In fact, I have a couple people. They know this. If I just text them, pray, that means I'm in a situation way I'm in deep waters. Whether that's a situation I'm dealing with, like counseling someone or whatever it is, I get called upon to help someone, I'm like, this is bad. I'll just say pray, or I even sometimes send the letter P and they just know to pray. They don't have to go, well, what exactly do you need, Cody? Just pray. We must surrender to God. And prayer is not just words without heart. Not just requests without relationship. 
That's why we have the reality. Look at the rest of this. The peace of God. When we lay down our worries, we trade them and we receive peace. Imagine that. Taking your worries, coming to God, praying, and we get what? We get the peace of God. The result of an active prayer life is the peace of God. And here's what I found very interesting this week. I was looking at this phrase, I'm like, okay, where else is this phrase in the Bible? Here's what's interesting. This phrase, the peace of God, occurs only once in the New Testament right here. Paul's not talking about peace with God. Because we already have that. That's presupposed. Christians already have peace with God. So here's what I thought about. If you aren't at peace with God, you can never experience the peace of God. Only those who've been reconciled to God through faith in Christ can have that kind of peace when the world comes with all the troubles. The peace of God is the solution for anxiety for it dissolves worry and removes it. And the peace of God, it exists with Him Himself. It's God's peace. Reflected in the Hebrew word shalom. Which doesn't mean, hey, peace, dude. It includes health, well-being, and goodness of life. The totality of your life is doing well. And we can experience that tranquility, that joy, even in the midst of suffering, characterized that God has, and we can have His peace. Or as Isaiah 26 says this, You will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast because they trust in you. Trust in the Lord forever. For the Lord, the Lord himself, is the rock eternal. We rely on the character of God. In closing, what does he say here? The peace of God that what? Guards our hearts and minds. It's interesting, the word guard, I like that word. It reminds, in fact, it's used to talk about, it's a military term. It talks about the Roman guard. In fact, Philippi was the place where the garrison was, and that was the main place where they were protected. When things get really bad, don't worry, you're protected by the Roman garrison built around the town. A battalion of soldiers were always there. They were standing guard. They will guard you. A powerful image that they understood. The peace of God guards our minds and hearts. What Paul's referring to is not physically, like, okay, you'll, you'll be free from all pain, but spiritually. Our values, our passions, our thoughts, our minds. He doesn't say it will guard you physically, but our minds and hearts. And we can know that God will never permit an assault against us to be successful because He guards us. Oh, we might get attacked, but He is the boss, He's in control. This doesn't mean nothing bad will happen to us. We will face painful events, but they will never truly defeat us. Like I said last week, you can be at a cemetery, <clears throat> the gravesite. You can have tears, but underneath that, you can truly have joy. This kind of peace and joy transcends our understanding. It far surpasses and transcends human comprehension. 
Especially when we want to map out, okay, I got stressful events coming up, there's anxiety, I can figure this out. God's peace overrules that. The NLT Study Bible says this, the Christian life of joy, peace, contentment, thanksgiving, and devotion to Christ can transcend all circumstances. So here's what I have for you. Let me close with this. You have two possibilities in your life that you can live in. You can live in anxiety all the time. Worrying about, in fact, sometimes worrying about things that won't even happen, but you've kind of created this fictitious possibility in the worst case scenario. You can live in anxiety and worry, or you can live in peace through prayer. So I say, lay it down. Whenever you have a worry, lay it down before God. Just come in simple prayer. It doesn't have to be all this pontificated fancy wordage. Just come before God and say, God, here's my struggle. I need to see you more clearly through this. Prayer helps us as we lay down our worries and trust. I'm still stuck in the 80s with music. So here's one of the songs I listened to. I thought of this this week. Christian band called White Heart. Lay it down. Now the clock is standing still. The moment closes down to you and what you feel. All the tremblings of your heart. The dreams you whisper to the stars. All that you're not. All that you are. Oh, lay it down. Oh, lay it down. Come, lay it down. Pictures colored with your pain, images of silent shame, all the things you thought you had to hide, broken memories you locked inside, all you could have, all you should have, might have, you know you just want to start again. Moving past that jagged edge, start li- stop living on the lonely lane, oh lay it down, lay it down. So kneel by the healing stream, let his love keep flowing, flowing, let it wash you clean. Oh, lay it down. Oh, lay it down. Oh, come to the kingdom. Let's pray. <clears throat> Lord, uh, honestly, it, this week when I started working on this passage, I was like, I'm not anxious. I've never had an anxiety attack in my life. Thank the Lord. But then I realized This is really about trust. And I am a person who comes to problems where I don't trust you enough. I may not worry much, but I don't trust you. I think I can do it on my own. So God, forgive me. And I ask that we would be a praying people, that we would be like little children coming to the throne. You're the God who has it all. You'll take care of us. Help us put our confidence in the character of God. Help us surrender. Help us lay it down. In this I pray in your precious name. Amen. 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 Stand and join us in our last few songs.